Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. We're going to start today in Luke chapter 24. So as the offering is being passed, you can open your Bibles to Luke 24. Uh, For those of you who may not know me, I am the youth pastor here at Johns Creek Baptist Church, and it is always an honor to have the opportunity to be able to preach and share the Word of God with you. Um, As Monty said, when we were singing and worshiping earlier, it is still Easter season, and we are Easter people. We are people of resurrection. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, And so, but it's so easy on after Easter Sunday, we come, we celebrate, and then on Monday or Tuesday, we go back to our normal lives. And sometimes it's hard and we struggle to live as if the resurrection really is true in our lives. And I believe that this passage from Luke 24 that we're going to read together in just a little bit gives us an idea of how we can how we can do just that, how we can live resurrection in our daily lives, whether it's Easter Sunday or the Sunday after Easter or any of the days following. But before we read together, let's please pray with me. God of light and of life, we are so grateful for who you are and who you made Jesus be for us. And God, as we continue worshiping through studying your word together, God, I just pray that the message that I give, the scripture that we read, will all be glorifying to you, our creator, our redeemer, our sustainer. Amen. So Luke chapter 24, we're going to begin at verse 13. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place here in these days? He asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it it is now the third day since these things took place. 
Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with him, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight." They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love going on walks. When I was young, we would visit my grandparents, and I remember going on walks with them around their neighborhood. We would walk, we would play games, we would pick up leaves and whatever other fun things we found on the road, and we would talk. Growing up as a family, my parents, brothers, and I would go on walks and hikes whenever we all had a little bit of free time. Even now, on holidays when we're all together, we'll walk and catch up on what's going on in our lives and in our ministries. I come from a family of ministers, if you didn't know that. <laughs> my close friends will tell you that my two favorite things to do together are eating and walking. There's something about moving, about being outside in creation that allows for a flow of conversation, a movement of storytelling, an opportunity to encourage and share our lives with one another. This is what I think of when I read the story of this walk to Emmaus. Two people walking together, discussing the thing they've experienced. We're not 100% sure who these two disciples are. We find out later in the story that one's name is Cleopas, and it seems as if they live in the same house. So it could be Cleopas and his wife, or Cleopas and a child. But no matter what their names are or what their profession might be, we know the most important thing about them. They are disciples. They witnessed what Jesus did, and they heard what Jesus taught. They followed, and they believed. 
Cleopas and his companion were in Jerusalem, which was, which was not their home. They observed the Passover. They were witnesses to Jesus' crucifixion. They saw him tortured, killed, and put in a grave. They stayed in Jerusalem to observe the Sabbath, and they grieved on that holy Saturday with the other disciples. When Sabbath was over, they heard rumors about the women who had seen an angel telling them that Jesus was resurrected. Then Simon Peter said that it was true. Jesus wasn't there. He was risen. But they weren't 100% sure that they could believe that. I mean, what if someone stole Jesus' body? What if the women and Simon Peter were in denial, victims of wishful thinking? I mean, they watched him die. He's dead, right? Then as they're talking, in the midst of their pain and confusion and sadness, a stranger appears beside them. They wonder if he must have been walking near them the whole time, and they were just too lost in conversation to notice. He asks them what they were talking about, and the question stops them in their tracks. Has a question about your life ever stopped you in your tracks? Have you ever been going through a thing, and when someone asks you how it's going or what's going on, you have no words. All you have is grief. Grief and confusion that's so overwhelming, it takes you a second to collect yourself and answer as Cleopas did. You don't know. But what you're really thinking is, do I really have to explain this? Do I have to relive this thing all over again? And as much as we want the answer to be no, as much as we don't want to have to say it, the truth is the story must come out. We can't keep it hidden. <clears throat> the only way out is through. And so Cleopas musters up the courage to give the terrible news and says the things about Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus asks, what things? encouraging him to keep telling the story. And after gaining what little strength he has with a deep inhale, Cleopas goes on to explain what happened. They lost their friend, their leader, their teacher, the one they put their hope in, he was gone. And even though they don't understand what's happening, it seems like he might still be alive or maybe he's alive again. They aren't really sure, but we know that Jesus was sure. Jesus, of course, knew what they were discussing. He knew what happened, it happened to him. He knew what they were feeling and thinking and how to bring redemption and healing to these disciples of his. But he asked them to tell him anyway because Jesus wants our vulnerability. Jesus knows that healing comes with honesty. There can't be healing to a wound left to fester, and Christ can't bring meaning to something that we're holding too close to the chest. 
we have to open up, admit our hurting, and then release our grip so that there is room for Jesus to work. When we admit our misunderstanding, that's when Jesus can bring meaning. And that's just what Jesus does. He goes on to explain the story of the Messiah, reminding these disciples of God's work throughout scripture. He starts with Moses. Moses, who also had a surprise encounter with the divine, God speaking to him from a burning bush, promising freedom and salvation for God's people. Jesus goes on to refresh their memory of all that the prophet said and that it was necessary for the Christ to endure this suffering. And as Jesus talks, they make it to Emmaus. It's time to go home, but they don't want to end their time with this stranger. They don't recognize him, but they know that he is full of wisdom. He's giving meaning to something that seemed meaningless. So they invite him inside, and he agrees. They share a meal. In blessing the meal and breaking the bread, recognition finally sinks in. They watch their teacher, their leader, the one they put their hope in, break the bread, and as he does, waves of memories wash over them. He blessed and broke the bread, and thousands of people were fed with just a few loaves. They heard the story of the Twelve, Jesus' last supper, Jesus sharing the bread with them and talking about the new covenant, the new promise of salvation for all people. And Jesus, they remember Jesus praying on the cross as he's dying, forgive them, they know not what they do, his body broken. Jesus was recognized by his actions, <clears throat> the breaking of bread, the symbol of Christ's body broken for his disciples, for all people, his crucifixion that they likely witnessed, his resurrection that they heard from the women, and now his presence transforming the way they see. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Their eyes were opened. The disciples in this passage has an eye-opening experience with Jesus. After he left them, they looked back and could see how Jesus was working and teaching them along their path. He gave meaning and hope where they could not find meaning and hope. They recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? And how often do we do this? Once a thing is over, we can look back and see how God was working the whole time. But in the middle of the thing, in the middle of the diagnosis, the conflict, the loss, in the middle of the events, that is when we are disoriented, afraid, grieving. We do not recognize what Jesus is doing. 
And this is the time when we need Jesus to show up. But we're not always sure that he really can. I mean, we believe in Jesus, but can he really help us in this situation? We wonder if maybe he forgot about us. Maybe we're hoping in vain. Maybe we're the ones who are victims of wishful thinking. We often don't recognize that Jesus is right there, walking beside us on the path, trying to explain what's going on and how he is bringing salvation and the opportunity for new life. He is always bringing salvation and the opportunity for new life. And it could be the reason that we can't see Jesus is because we're too busy keeping our struggles to ourselves. We refuse to name the thing that's going on. We refuse to admit the struggle. And so we remain stuck in that grief, in that unbelief, in that confusion and worry. And the truth is, the truth that we all believe is such good news is that Jesus is right here. The Christ of God, our living hope, is right beside us, waiting for us to turn to him. He is ready to hear our pain, and he can handle it. And we know that he can handle it because he already handled it. Christ carried our sins and our suffering and shame up the hill and to the cross. He died in order for our darkness to die with him. And then, the best news of all, he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And it's not a rumor, and it's not wishful thinking, and it's not religious mumbo-jumbo. It is the truth. The truth that we must hold tighter in our hearts than whatever we are ashamed of or grieving. And as the disciples recognize Jesus, they realize that they can't go backwards. He vanished, and that vanishing proves that things are different now. Christ the Lord is risen. And he is working both inside and outside of the walls of their homes and their lives. In recognizing Jesus, they realize that they can never be the same. Jesus doesn't give the opportunity to go backwards. We know that that wouldn't be beneficial to any of us. As much as we would like to, we can't go back to before to before the diagnosis, before the breakup, before the loss. That time no longer exists anywhere except in our minds. And we also can't skip forward. We can't skip to the healing. We can't skip to the resolution, the acceptance. All we have is the now. And thankfully, Jesus shows up in our now. He shows up to Mary grieving at the tomb. He shows up for Thomas in his doubts and shows Thomas his wounds. He shows up to Cleopas and his companion on their journey home. In the middle of their misunderstanding and their confusion, he shows up. 
Jesus comes to transform our present with his presence. And these first appearances after his death show his followers that they are now people of resurrection. They can move forward with hope into the new life that Christ provides. Author Shauna Nyquist writes in her book, Present Over Perfect. Every new season of life is an invitation to leave behind the things of the season before, the trappings and traps that have long expired, right for then, but no longer right for now. Whatever passage you're facing has the opportunity to be your sea change, your invitation to leave behind what's not essential and travel deeply into the heart of things. Travel deeply into the heart of things. As Jesus was speaking to them, their hearts were burning within them. They could feel that Jesus was taking them deeper than they had ever gone before. And when he vanished, they realized the truth and they ran right back to Jerusalem. They had just walked seven miles there and they ran the seven miles back. That's a lot for me. I, I don't know about you, <laughs> but they did all of that because it was worth it to spread the good news that Jesus really was alive, that they saw him, that they recognized him, that their lives were changed. They knew that it was time to let go of the old ways and grab onto the new life that Jesus showed them. Living as people of resurrection means laying down our old ways to make room for Jesus's new way. It means moving forward, moving deeper into the heart of our maker. It means trusting Jesus with our suffering and surrendering the things we carry to make room for the new things Jesus can do, the new meaning only Jesus can give. You have the opportunity for whatever the thing is that you're going through to be your sea change, to accept the invitation, to leave behind what's not essential, to travel deeply into the heart of God. Aristotle once wrote, recognition, as its name indicates, is a change from ignorance to knowledge, tending either to affection or enmity. It determines the direction of good or ill fortune, the fates of the people involved. It's a very philosophical way of saying that when we recognize something, in this case, Jesus, we have the power to be changed. We have the ability to turn our affection to the one who can change us. We see in this passage that the recognition, recognition of Jesus changed Cleopas and his companion. Suddenly they were no longer stuck in their grief. 
Yes, the things still happened. Jesus was still taken, tortured, and killed. Jesus still died. That didn't change. But they realized that they didn't have to stay in that place of grief anymore. They didn't have to be stuck in the thing. They were able to jump up and walk all the way back to Jerusalem to share the good news. Their recognition of Jesus moved them from ignorance and confusion to knowledge and affection. They knew that Jesus had changed the direction of their fates for good. Jesus changes the direction of all of our fates for good. We are all walking down a path. We are all journeying through a thing that has happened. We are searching for meaning, for healing, for salvation. Can you see Jesus walking beside you? He may be taking the form of something you don't expect. Do you recognize his goodness in the kindness of a friend, in the support of a neighbor, in the hope of a new opportunity? Do you see Jesus in his broken body and in his resurrection promise that we can let go of our old ways to make room for his new work? When we see Jesus, when we recognize the Christ among us, working around us, how will we respond? We have the opportunity to respond like these two disciples. We can turn towards Jesus as he walks beside us. We can tell him about the things that have happened. We can trust him. We can invite him into our lives to share the intimate details of our homes and our hearts. We can listen as he breaks the bread and memories of all his goodness can wash over us. We can respond by grabbing onto that hope with everything we have and sharing our love for the Christ that changes us with others. Today, you may be feeling a call to respond to Jesus in some way. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus before and you feel like now is the time to turn towards him. You understand that you can trust him. It may be that you've trusted Jesus before, but for whatever reason, you've been doubting if you can trust him again. It's time to turn towards Jesus. If that's you, but you aren't sure where to go with that calling, you can start right here and right now with a prayer. And if you need words to pray, you can borrow mine, saying something like this. God of hope and salvation, you already know that I've been going through a thing 
but I am ready to open my heart and share it with you. I can't do this on my own any longer, and I need you. I need your grace, forgiveness, your love to bring new life and meaning to my life. I am ready to follow you. I want to respond to you by moving into the goodness you have prepared for me. I give myself to you, and I am ready to follow wherever you lead. Amen. If you prayed that prayer or one like it, there are pastors coming forward in both the sanctuary here and in the Family Life Center to talk with you about what that prayer means and what your next steps might be. Maybe you've trusted Jesus for a long time, but you are ready for the new life that comes with joining our community of faith. We are here to walk beside you on the road and help point you to Jesus. For now, let's stand. And as we go from this place, let's remember that we are resurrection people every day. We can live in the love and affection that Jesus has for us, and we can turn towards Jesus and trust him with our lives. So as you go, take the love of our Christ with you. Amen.